Welcome to season two of the Revenue Marketing Report powered by Caliber Mind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Colt Briner. Colt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, right on. I've been a marketing executive for about 20 years. I've always worked in small to mid-stage startups who have to be like super scrappy to compete against industry incumbents. So I've come up with all the clever tricks for using a really tiny budget to uh, grab market share from really big competitors. And now I am running my own agency, Scrappy AF Marketing, to take all that stuff and help other small businesses do the same thing. When we first spoke, you had a really great point and would love for you to share that with the audience. And it was a lot of marketers have accidentally turned their product into a commodity instead Mm. of a revenue driver. Can you kind of explain that for folks? Totally. So I see this for individual marketers, like agency marketers, creatives, that type of thing. They're out there. They're doing a good job. They're busting their butts selling website development or video production or, you know, creative support or this and that. I mean, ultimately a business owner doesn't wake up terrified that they don't have a video. They wake up terrified that they're not attracting customers or ultimately they're not making money. So what I always do in my conversations with prospects is orient uh, what I'm offering them around adding revenues, right? Top of pipeline. So I'll ask them where they're currently at, talk about baseline, what their growth goals are, but we get into the conversion rates. So when you get uh, a lead, how how often you convert that to an opportunity and how often opportunities convert to close business. And then what's the average contract value? So in a B2B context, if I'm talking to somebody and we figure out, well, okay, so if I add five clients for you this year, five clients that you wouldn't ordinarily be getting, that's $800,000. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about right. Okay. So now I've established like a parameter for this conversation that's way different from how much do you charge for a website? Because that's not that's not what I'm delivering for you. I, I'm going to show you how whatever it is that I'm producing as a marketing consultant is going to lead to that $800,000. So when I say it's going to cost $40,000, it's like, cool, do I Venmo you or how do I do that? It's like, <laughs> it, it's it's got them in a totally different mental orientation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think having worked in tech most of my career, this often manifests as feature spewing instead of (laughs) (laughs) totally it does (laughs) yeah instead of connecting with your target audience and figuring out what problems they're trying to solve so you had a really I, i liked the point i agree with the point we talked a little bit about how tech how that manifests there but yeah underlying all of this is our fascination with psychology and how that ties back into the point you're addressing. So during presentations, I think we all see this. The part they lean in and start nodding with isn't the part where you're telling them how the website works or how the product works. It's exactly what you said, how I'm going to bring eight more clients to you that you wouldn't normally get or how I'm going to increase revenue conversion by 15%. Yeah. It doesn't sound emotional, those things, but they're tied to their livelihood and their ability to like, that's the real issue is, for example, marketers are always trying to prove that what they're doing is effective. Sure. And if you can give them the ability to do that, you're kind of on to something. Totally agree with that. So I think a lot of people think they're objective objectively and rationally buying things like technology. How have you seen that actually play out in the market? 
Uh, I think that we rationalize what happens to us on an emotional level, right? And that's how we communicate with the world is through rational thought. Um, but so much of it, so much of what we do in the day to day is driven from an emotional core. I mean, <laughs> if you just look at the construction of the brain from the limbic on out, like that's the center of what we do. Um, and we are really good at bringing logic and reason and rational conversation to how we operate in the world. But I really think so. Why do we call it emotion? I mean, I know that's not actually done this way, but energy and motion is how I think about it, right? We're, we're always more deeply engaged in matters that have an emotional charge. So I don't think, you know, marketers, just like we were saying with other, with business owners, I don't think marketers wake up and have an emotional charge that they don't have some particular piece of technology. I, I think that they, they, you know, if they're waking up in the middle of the night, it's because they remember how embarrassed they were the last time their CEO asked them, well, what's the ROI on, on this effort? How do we get to see, how do we get to attribute one piece of our marketing strategy to any kind of revenue? And it's like, it has been, I think for a long time, it's been like an okay mystery. There's a bit of a hand wave. Well, branding is this esoteric exercise. We <laughs> don't expect to measure this, do you? But now it's like really not that way. Uh, I mean, with anything that, that, we as a species haven't understood, we, we push into it when we, we uncover ways to understand it and to measure it and to see it. And the tools to do that in marketing are here now. So if the next time the CEO asks you, how do we attribute every aspect of our marketing spend to every line of revenue? You could, if you don't have an answer to that, you're behind. Yeah. And, and that's where you have that emotional sense of I'm failing I'm embarrassed, you know, I'm sad, I'm concerned, I'm fearing for my job. So, so now you're in motion with that energy. And, you know, for me, this is why I get driven to solutions like Caliber Mind makes a ton of sense. Like I should mm -hmm. have the answer on the CMO or whatever. So get the dang answer, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even with something that is as awesome as Caliber Mind and integrated with everything, there are some tactics that are harder to measure. Podcast is one I like to throw out all the time because we're on one and it's top of my mind at the moment. So, sure. <laughs> But there are benchmarks we can use and there oh. are mechanisms we can put in place to help fill those gaps. And I think I see some folks in the market they glom on to folks who want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and yep. they, they it, because it's hard. It's absolutely hard, but it is doable. So this is not what the episode is about, but you really struck a chord there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, so, you know, like we've, we've seen these things, right? So uh, how'd you hear about us? It's a, it's not offensive to anybody. Right. And it's a two second answer. And if it's, mm -hmm. I, I heard about you guys on the podcast, like, great, you know, put that in as a data point. I, I mean, yep. I agree with you that it is a lot harder to measure it. Mm -hmm. But there, there is a way to get a read. I'll call it a read, maybe not a measure, but on these types of activities. Yeah, absolutely. So back to buying with emotions. So I don't know many people who will never buy from a vendor again from a strictly rational reason. So sometimes they'll, they'll mess up. They'll do the wrong things. They won't meet your requirements. But more often than not, the reason why I decide not to go with a vendor again is because of the behavior of the people I'm interacting with. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if we're really thinking about who are the vendors we will never work with again, and I don't want you to name anyone. Um, oh, I, have, I was about to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's not what this show is oh, for. Okay, okay. <laughs> but like, if we think, can you think of vendors, like if you put them into two pools, I won't work with them because their technology is off or I won't work with them 
because they did something offensive? Like, mm. which bucket do you think is heavier? Did something offensive is definitely heavier for me. You know, the, the people, the effort that they put into it, the, you know, if their technology fell apart and, and they had a super sorry, we're doing everything we can to fix this. I know this is really inconvenient for you. They, they've connected with me. They, they have expressed that they understand the position that that puts me in. They're in the scramble. They, they, they want to do everything they can to fix it. Of course, right? That's the yep. group. I'm, I'm yeah. totally going with those folks. They're with me and I'm with them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, it's like, man, so many, and especially very large companies, right? If the technology just fails you, it's like, uh -huh. <laughs> right? yeah. Do, uh, do you remember the Saturday Night Live with the, the, I think it was Dana Carvey. I think it was Dana Carvey was the, the no, it wasn't. It was, it was Lily Tomlin, the, the telephone, which she was like, we're the phone company. We don't care. Do you remember that deal? On no, I, oh. I, I it's great. It was just exactly how we get treated by these large companies. And, yeah. you know, it's if I can work with a smaller company that maybe doesn't have the billion dollar tech, but is in it with me every time. Yes. Yeah. And there have been times I've had to drop a vendor because their technology isn't there yet and it's not meeting the bar. But if they approach me again, again, if they've handled things well, I'll give them another shot. If they yeah. come back and say, hey, you know, these are the key features that we're missing here's what we've done to fix it. Sure. Mm -hmm. Let's try it again. But if somebody this happened hits on one of my employees in the lobby, I don't think I'm ever, mm -mm. Mm -mm. you're not coming back from that. No, oh, no, <laughs> just don't do it. Don't Jeez. Do it. Really? Yeah. I sorry to hear that happened. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It was a little weird. So <laughs> We're both fans of psychology and yeah. I'm a big fan of nonviolent communication. Can you give people like the 20,000 foot view of that and how it plays into marketing? I am a huge fan of nonviolent communication. It has helped me to really understand myself and communicate uh, in all my relationships. We have such a lacking of that type of education in our public system. Oh, yes. the, the fastest way for me to communicate NVC, I, I tell the story that I call the pink pencils story. And imagine this couple in a house and one or the other of them, I'll, I'll, in this case, uh, I think I flip-flop each time. I will say that the wife is quite upset. Um, she's looking for something. She's looking in, intensely for something, right? She's flipped up the couch cushion. She's in every drawer. She looked everywhere in this house and she's very upset and moving around. The husband doesn't get what's happening. She's trying to find her pink pencils and that's not something that that he understands. Like, what? why do you care so much about the pink pencils? But there's two points of disconnect in this relationship, at least around this particular issue. She's very upset. He has no idea why, why upset would be happening around pink pencils. The two points of disconnect are that you have a, a method and a preference for meeting a need. What's really happening is she's trying to meet her need for self-expression. Her method for self-expression is journaling. And her preference when she journals is to use pink pencils. Mm -hmm. What's really at play here in, in this scenario is that she feels disconnected from her need of self-expression, right? This, this, this thing about journaling. Now, if she was in a conversation with the husband about self-expression, which is a need that he would understand, everyone understands the fundamental human need of self-expression, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not where the dialogue is. She's talking about pink pencils, which means she's two points removed from what's happening. Now, when people get honest about the needs that are at play, 
in their lives when something's going well or something's going poorly, they connect in a much more meaningful way, right? Mm -hmm. Because he can understand that. And then to understand the difference between a need and then a method and then a preference for that method, then you can start to really get into the full picture of a person's reality. Mm -hmm. the, The second piece of NVC for me is that all feelings are tied to needs, either being met or not being met. Anything you can feel is driven by a need, either being met or not being met. So when you're in a relationship and you are communicating at the space of needs and feelings, you're communicating in a real way, connecting in a real and meaningful way. So let me, before I talk about how that relates to marketing, how does that relate to your understanding of NBC? Yeah, spot on. Have you been burned by attribution? Are you tired of fighting with salespeople over target accounts and lead scores? We've all been there, and that's because traditional marketing analytics tools bolt onto your CRM and calculate attribution and engagement scores on the data as it is. And let's face it, most of the time, your CRM data is far from perfect. Caliber Mind is unique because it pulls data from all your sources, not just your CRM, into a data platform. CaliberMind unifies your information, which means you can attribute dollars to website activity, standard Salesforce campaign activity, and more without wasting time in spreadsheets. Ditch the spreadsheets and check out a new way to analyze revenue data with CaliberMind at CaliberMind.com. I keep thinking of this video I watched where this I'll send it to you. The gal has like a nail in her head and her (laughs) her partner keeps trying to solve the problem by saying And she just keeps getting more and more angry because she just wants to complain about it. So I I just keep thinking about like her main need is to feel heard and have a connection with the person she's speaking with. Yeah, no, it's just, I just keep thinking of that. So yeah, it's a great video. I totally have sent that to a number of people (laughs) and it's like, now do you get it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the answer to that video is both probably need to be addressed, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I think you're right. Mm. So then on marketing, if you understand the needs that your product or solution or service is meeting, you will become less disruptable by market competitors. You will be in a space where your employees and your customers understand your purpose rather than just your product. And that will build loyalty on both fronts. You'll have less turnover of both employee and uh, and customer. You're just in a much easier spot overall as a competitor in the space of business if you Mm -hmm. understand the needs. So a good example, I think of Toro. So Toro makes lawn equipment, right? Uh, Sorry, uh, landscaping equipment. They make lawnmowers, they make weed whackers, they make blowers, et cetera. If they believe that they're in the lawnmower business, okay, that's one thing that's like, that's like uh, the entry level. Mm-hmm. If they understand that they are in the beautiful space behind my house business, you're getting mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. If they understand that they're in the the serenity, that the peaceful, the relaxing business, right? I feel safety. I feel serene, right? These are the feelings met by the needs, right? Now you understand the business that you're in, because if you think you're in the lawnmower building business, somebody who comes up with a laser that cuts your lawn in two seconds is going to disrupt you. But if you understand what you're delivering for the customer, right, in terms of their, their actual needs and the feelings that will come when those needs are met or not met, you are in a very powerful position as a competitor in the marketplace. I love this so much. So it's, it's really the difference between being product-driven and mission-driven. Totally. 
And people resonate so much more with a mission than they do a product. Yes. So if we can pick on marketing analytics, if you talk about the speed of your data calculations, all of these things, it's not going to get nearly as far as if you, and we talked about this earlier, so I'm going to loop it in again. If you talk about marketers, we understand you're under pressure all the time to prove your value to the rest of the business. We can help you with that. That's totally different. Like Yes. I didn't talk about integrations. I didn't talk about processing speed. We're just talking about, we understand your problem and we're here to help. Yeah. That's, that's more compelling. It just proved to me it isn't. <laughs> it, truly. And it's like, as soon as you orient the conversation around features, now I'm, I'm mentally oriented around that. You started it. Uh, I'm mentally oriented <laughs> around that. And I'm thinking about other features that I might've heard about. But if you start from that that kernel of the basic need that I need met, the human need, right? Mm -hmm. If you're talking about pink pencils, you're not actually talking about a human need. Even if you're talking about journaling, you're mm -hmm. not talking about a human need. You have to talk about self-expression. Once you're in that, that foundation, you have couched the conversation in a way that is so much more meaningful. And now I'm oriented around, that's my life. Yeah. You're talking about my life. Let's well, talk more. <laughs> and underneath that, like immediately underneath it is job security. Yeah. And that's something I think all of us think about whether or not we're honest about it or not, you know? Truly. And here's my, here's what I would suggest. If you want to have uh, kind of the cheat sheet on this, it's so easy to find the NVC needs and feelings inventory. You just Google that. You can find the PDFs. There's so many of them and it will just list them for you. So think about your product, use a highlighter, print the thing out, think about your product, use a highlighter. These are the needs that my service, my solution, my product is meeting. And these are the feelings that occur when that need is met. These are the feelings that occur when that need is not met. Understand that at that level, and you will become much more powerful as a marketer. Um, and a human, because it helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it helps with like family communication and communication with partners, coworkers. Yeah. So as an example, let's bring this into how we can better coordinate on initiatives. Mm -hmm. So this is an example we hear all the time. The salespeople are really opposed to using the CRM. They view it as a non-selling, an NSA, a non-selling action. And Ooh, I haven't heard that. I like that. Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> okay, go on. And marketing is over here trying to make sense of what's happening and, and they can't do it. So yeah. the executive team doesn't believe in forcing their sales team to stay on top of their opportunities. Things are really out of alignment and marketing is having a hard time proving that what they're doing is working. How can we recognize... Can I, I'm sorry, I want to pause you. Yeah. Everything you just said, every marketer should have just gone... That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you? I mean, honestly, you should say yeah. it again because this is like she's talking about you, right? This is the way I want anybody in this audience to hear this. Please say that all again. That is exactly the marketer's experience. Yeah. Salespeople, they're not being pressured by their executive team to stay on top of their opportunities. They view it as a non selling action. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's administrative work. Yeah. And then marketers are struggling because they're trying to talk to finance about how, the, well, they're trying to justify the spend that they're doing on, um, in the past, it was trade shows and field events. Now it's digital advertising, sure. webinars, all of these things. Yeah. So we're having a mismatch in needs and perceived value, totally. right? 
So yeah. the sales team needs to hit their quota and their focus is of course going to be on their income and how that impacts their family. Mm-hmm. Marketers are trying to establish job security and that impacts their income and how they support their family. Uh-huh. So the objectives of both of them are aligned, but how can how can we communicate to the sales team in a way they can hear? Mm-hmm. Wow, what a fantastic question. I, I, I think that this starts with the marketing leader and the sales leader create a relationship where they are in the same team. I think this is kind of the first thing rather than siloed organizations. And I do see that. I, I see the silos a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime I see it siloed, I see it dysfunctional. Yeah. Now there's going to be a tension. There is a healthy level of tension between a sales team and a marketing team. I say, yes. Yep. I, I think that a sales leader and a marketing leader would come together and say, that's going to be here. Mm-hmm. So but any good relationship is going to have a tension, a friction. Mm-hmm. How do we work as a team to make sure that everybody's winning together? Yeah. So let's set that foundation. And then the leaders are in that that conversation. And now the subordinates witness that conversation like, oh, that's cool. That's a that's a good sort of relationship framework. So now the subordinates are kind of looking at each other going, oh, okay, we're all on the same team handshake. So I like the foundation first. The next thing is, you know, as we've been talking about in this conversation, orienting the conversation around the needs and feelings, right? So I need you guys to enter your information into Salesforce. Right. So let's let's talk about how an action, like, so that's a, that's a preference for a method to meet a need. We're talking about pink pencils when we talk about entering your, your information into Salesforce. Let's talk about the self-expression version of what's happening in the sales department, right? So that's going to be your own conversation. I'm not going to tell you what that conversation needs to be, but it needs to be oriented around the needs, not the methods or the preferences of, of how those needs are getting met. Because you're talking about pink pencils when you're beating up the sales team to enter the stuff in Salesforce or whatever other non-selling action you're talking about. That's all pink pencils. Let's bring it back to the needs. There's yeah. one other thing that I think is important here, which is getting an initiative adopted in an organization I used to just believe was about being goddamn inspiring when you communicated with the team. Mm-mm. I used to pride myself on being kind of an inspiring individual when I spoke, right, to a business team. And there is a portion of any organization that is moved by inspiring speech. Sure. But I've learned about the diffusion of innovation adoption curve where you have your innovators, your early adopters, your mid-stage, your late stage, and your institutionalists, which other people call laggards. But if you're looking at the best literature, it's institutionalists. And they exist in every level of population, whether you're a 50-person startup or you're the population of a country. Mm-hmm. They all have different mental orientations for how they move into something. You, and none of them are wrong. You need the institutionalists to do their job, the, the, the mid and late, they have to do their job, the early, they all have very important jobs in any population. If you get good at understanding their psychological orientation for why they are the way that they are, now you can achieve adoption with an organization. Because if you're just speaking to the early adopters and you think everybody else just doesn't get it, you won't get where you can be if you are communicating across the full spectrum. So what I've seen work generally in in this scenario is communicating the why behind mm-hmm. the ask. So let's let's 
bring in the podcast example again. Yeah. If I say to my sales team, this particular tactic is under scrutiny because I'm having a hard time proving the value. Mm. Has it helped you personally? Yes, you get some compelling stories. You share that with the rest of the team and say, if we want to continue doing this, we're going to celebrate the wins when they come in and we're going to we're going to communicate them because that inspiration does work for some people. But we're also we're also understanding this is helping individuals. Mm-hmm. If I want it to help me, I have to do my part and let, you know, put that refer referral campaign in there. If I want to risk it going away, then maybe I don't care as much and I don't do it. So there will still be some people who do that. But if you continue to communicate your wins and where it's working and why you need the data and that you're using the data, that's, I think, one of the most important points is to circle back and say, gosh, you, you all, thank you for the information. Here's how we're putting it into action. I think if you do all of those pieces, and it requires a lot of internal communication, which I think oddly marketers aren't as strong at. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that helps move the ball forward a bit. I I share your thinking on it. There's a thing that I think is, is important to put into this conversation too, which is there are some initiatives that are going to require an amount of faith, right? So some amount of time that the, the sales team is going to just have to trust this is going to yield in a meaningful way. I mean, you've been building this podcast for a while, but now what does the sales team have? The sales team has the ability to say, this is a top eight marketing podcast in the world, right? Oh, that's something. And what does that really mean? Why is that important? Well, it's because Caliber Mind is an organization that has a great depth of marketing expertise. And you would expect them to have a a, a podcast ranked that highly among all the thousands of podcasts that are on this topic. It is a badge that reflects the the depth of expertise that your organization possesses. So it's like, well, that worked out, right? But you didn't get that in the first six months. I don't know how long it took you guys to get there. I know that was a recent announcement and I I congratulate you guys on it. But now that's that's an arrow in the quiver for the sales team, right? And it should be on the website and it should be like everywhere else that you are trying to reflect that you possess a great amount of expertise in the area of marketing. And it's like, well done. And that actually paid off, but it wasn't there in the first six months, right? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, and we still have to defend our decision and decide like periodically we all meet as a team and <clears throat> reflect and ask the question, should we keep doing it? Mm-hmm. And there's this podcast I love with Cheryl and Tig. It's a true story, I think. Okay. And they have documentaries. And at the end of every single episode, they turn to each other and they say, this was fun. Should we do it again? And then they both reflect and say, yes. So I just feel like, yeah. yeah, I kind of went on a tangent there, but I think it's important to recognize when something's going to take a long time, communicate your plan, um, but recognize that the salespeople have to meet their number today. And if you're not also doing tactics with immediate results, they're not going to be able to wait that long. Has to be a blend. It does yep. have to be a blend. And the more that you earn that respect of, well, yeah, that they definitely are working very well on these fronts and this has been proven out and they've set this goal and they doubled it. And, you know, all these other things that give you that credibility to say, I believe in a direction I want us to go. It's going to take a year and a half for you to really see the results. Uh, on the short term, I have a handful of measures that will give us a sense. Is it directionally working? But yeah, it's going to take a long time and a big investment. I believe in it. Here's what it's going to look like. 
That's why you need a multifaceted, multi-tactic approach. So 100%, yes. Yeah. Wow. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to add before you tell us where you can uh, be found a network? Well, I've loved this conversation. This has been a delight. And I do encourage everybody who has been listening, if that if the NVC stuff, the nonviolent communication stuff sounded valuable, just look it up. It's so available. The folks who created Marshall Rosenberg created uh, nonviolent communication. It's grown massively since then. Mm-hmm. Certainly impacted my life, my business, my personal life, et cetera. Super easy resources to find. They didn't set it up like a program that, oh, okay, you want to get into tier one to learn this stuff? Well, that's $700. And if you want to get into tier, no, it's not like that at all. They know that it's very useful in people's lives. So it's super easy to find. Check it out because it's really good. Yeah. And the backstory is amazing. So it was originally intended to be used in political negotiation. Mm-hmm. in extremely tense circumstances. And it just check it out because it is really worth the read. I promise. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> agree with that. So where can people find you to network online? Easiest way to uh, find me for kind of an ongoing conversation is LinkedIn. Colt Briner, that's, I think I'm the only Colt Briner on LinkedIn. And uh, my website, ScrappyAFSolutions or ScrappyAFMarketing.com. Wonderful. And for those of you listening to the podcast, if you enjoy it, please rate, review, and subscribe. It does make a difference and tell two friends. And for those of you listening to this and want more great content like this, check out CaliberMind.com. 